you wake up, it's freezing cold in the winter, you do the same thing. Like if you have a chance, go to the gym, you're on the same treadmill looking at the same people. You go home, you get ready, you make breakfast, you go to work, you just like grind it out, you get out at like 6, 6.30, walk three blocks home in the freezing cold, it's dark, you have dinner. You talk about how much you hate your job with your roommates and then you go to bed. And then on the weekends, I was just partying because I just wanted to forget. I was so not who I am now. And it was just such a time where I look at it and I'm just like, oh, how did I do that? But it's like, you need to just jump. I fully believe that your safety net is there to catch you and the universe is going to provide. You just need to take that jump and like, yeah, you lose a paycheck for a week, but the reward is so much better. You have reached Escape the 9 to 5. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi there. I'm doing a boring day job and finding life sucks. Stuck in a 9 to 5 job and looking for something different? Escape the 9 to 5 is your guide to freedom. My name is Steve O'Ealy and my mission is to help you on your own career change journey. I chat with successful professionals who've either taken the leap themselves or have always done work differently. They share stories so that you can learn from their mistakes and benefit from their successes. Escape the 9 to 5 and join us on our journey to a more enjoyable life. Have you ever been in a job where you feel like you want to quit, book flights to a sunny location overseas, and never come back? Our guest this week did just that. She was in a corporate marketing role in the States, quit her job and travelled to Australia, finding her passion as a yoga and fitness instructor. Chances are you've had periods in your life where you've hated your job and have used an overseas trip to escape. But the problem with this is it's only temporary. For those of you who have seen The Matrix, there's a moment in the movie when Neo has to choose between the blue pool and the red pool. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Whether or not you choose to change incrementally or jump, there is always going to be a moment in this journey where you have to take a leap of sorts. Miserable in her job, Jenna tried the strategy of jumping. She found there was a safety net waiting for her when she jumped. While I personally wouldn't encourage the jump with no plan strategy, she suggests listening to the inner voice in your head surrounding yourself with people who bring you up, and why there's almost bound to be a safety net if you jump. We'll get more into taking the leap in later seasons, but for now, here's an episode for a bit of inspiration. I joined the conversation with Jenna detailing her past life back in the States. So my name's Jenna. I am from Minnesota originally where I was born and raised and mom was a nurse, dad was in law enforcement, police officer, so very like they were also very nine to five. My brother, he's in the Air Force. It's a very like mainstream, I guess. Love them to death, but like man. I graduated from high school, decided I wanted to be in broadcast journalism. Like I was really good at writing, reading, and I thought maybe journalism is the direction I want to go into. 
And I was like, I want to go to a big school in the city, New York or Chicago. Ended up getting into DePaul University, which is in the city of Lincoln Park. And it was beautiful. We were right downtown. And it was amazing in terms of internships. And the whole school believed you need life experience. Like, yep, we can give you the books, but you need to go out and get internships, be in the city, making connections, networking. And that's where I really excelled and thrived in. So I had two internships this summer working for different people agencies and such. After two years at DePaul University, I was like, I think I need to go into something different, but I also want to experience college life because where I went, it was very small, a lot of commuters. You didn't have like that camaraderie of like a big school. You've got to experience it. Yeah. I was like, I need to do this for myself. I don't want to look back one day and be like, wow, I grew up way too fast. So I went back to Minnesota, University of Minnesota and joined a sorority, like did the whole thing. And I'm like so happy I did it, but I got in the journalism school there and you can go two routes. You can go broadcast print journalism, or you can go strategic communication, PR, and advertising. And I started on the broadcast route, realized what a hustle and a grind it was to do broadcast. You'd be stuck doing the midnight news, reporting on just something you don't even care about, working your way up, or you could go PR strategic. And I was really interested in pitching this story. That was kind of a way of networking and you know building relations in a community. So I ended up going PR got my degree in PR strategic communications with a minor in sports management. I was an athlete, gymnast, and I was like, maybe I want to do something in the sports PR world. I was the only female in any of those classes for sports management, which was, it was really humbling in a way as well. But I was like, man, I need to prove to these professors that I'm taking myself serious. I'm not just doing this to like get in front of a camera. Like I really think that there's something to sports and wellness because I was a gymnast and that was my outlet, being able to like work out and just create that sense of community, wellness, health. Then I moved back to Chicago after I graduated with my degree, applied for like every position under the sun, like just small PR agencies, started working at one in hospitality. It was a really cute, just boutique agency. Me and three girls learned a lot. But on the side, I met a girl called Andrea Metcalf, who was a alum from DePaul, the first school I went to. Found about her in the Career Center when I didn't even go to that school. Anyway, it's a long story. But you know when you meet someone and you're just energetically attracted to them? And I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I need to meet her. I met with her. I explained I was a gymnast. We had very similar stories, background in broadcast journalism. She said, well, do you love fitness? And I was like, I love fitness. And she was on the Steve Harvey show and did like fitness segments for them. She wrote for Oprah. And I was like, I somehow want to get into this world, but I'm way too nervous to ever like teach in front of a class or whatever. And she just took me under her wing that summer after I graduated. So I was working two jobs. She's like, I can't pay you. But, you know, you can work for me, learn as much as you want from me. So I was going between this PR job three days a week and then her two days a week, just busting it out. I was just so like, anyways, Andrea opened a big fitness center in Chicago and one of the fitness instructors didn't show up and she was like, you're going to teach the class. And I was like, what? No, no, no. And she's like, no, no, you're going to. It was like a Matt Pilates class. She's like, I know you know what you're doing. You come to all these classes. You're a gymnast. You understand body parts. You're very, you're a quick learner. 
And I was so obsessed with the fitness culture. And I went in front of like a group of like 25 women and it was probably the worst class I've ever taught, but I had so much fun. And Andrea's like, great, let's get you certified. So she helped me get some of my certifications, ended up doing a yoga certification. And it all just kind of like spun out from there. But I ended up getting a full-time job at a PR agency, social media agency in Chicago. So I ended things with Andrea there. And basically got into my nine to fives. This is how that transitioned. I was 21 years old, loved it, hated it, had my days where I was like, is this it? Is this the end all be all? Is this what all this buzz is about? And I only made like 40 grand a year or something like absurd. I think people get so attached to security and seeing that paycheck come in every week. And obviously that's important if you're supporting a family, but there also needs to be a give and take. And when I was working a nine to five, I'll get into that, but I was like, man, is this really worth my mental health? I don't like the person who I am. I don't like how I'm treating others. I felt so trapped, not in my own body. I was just going through the motions and it was just like a rat race. You wake up, it's freezing cold in the winter. You do the same thing. Like if you have a chance, go to the gym. You're on the same treadmill looking at the same people. You go home, you get ready, you make breakfast, you go to work, you just like grind it out. You get out at like 6, 6.30, get back on the L, which is like the train, the subway walk three blocks home in the freezing cold, it's dark, you have dinner, you talk about how much you hate your job with your roommates and then you go to bed. And then on the weekends, I was just partying because I just wanted to forget. And I, just, I was so not who I am now. And it was just such a time where I look at it and I'm just like, oh, how did I do that? But in a way, I am so thankful for that because I really figured out what I didn't want. And I'm a really big believer in being in your flow and I was so out of my flow that nothing was going right for me in the sense where I just like was so insecure on so many different levels and now I realize you're going against the current. So then when I figured it out what it was that I, well, I was passionate about and just kind of making that leap, it all just was seamless. People get so scared by that but it's like you need to just jump and like I fully believe that your safety net is there to catch you and the universe is gonna provide. You just need to take that jump and like, yeah, you lose a paycheck for a week, but the reward is so much better. I could go on and on. I'm just like, just do it. Jumping is not for everyone. There is some research to suggest we make worse decisions under financial stress. If you are considering jumping, make sure you've either got savings or wealthy parents to bail you out if you run short on cash. A couple of years ago, I quit a veterinary job with no job to go to. I did find my safety net, but had the comfort of knowing I could always do short-term locum vet work, which also pays quite well, if shit hit the fan and I couldn't find a job in another industry. While finances are important to a point, if you are miserable in your current job, especially if it's been for a long time, You've got to quit. Even if you're risk averse, staying in your current job is the worst case scenario. If you don't quit and finances is the only reason you're staying in your job, this is exactly how people get trapped in the nine to five. I was talking to someone recently who has a house and an apartment. They hate their job and the only reason they're staying in it is in the hopes that house prices continue to go up and they sell their apartment in five years and live without a mortgage. That's all well and good, but if you're wasting some of the best years of your life just to get ahead, is it really worth the financial gain? 
Do you really want to get to your deathbed knowing you'd spent your life in a job you hate? As Chris Stem said in our pilot episode, I can't imagine much worse than wishing you'd lived your life a different way. Especially if you're young and don't have the financial commitments of a mortgage and kids, it might be time to jump. We joined Jenna back discussing her 9 to 5 job in the States. And then I remember just being like turning around and like talking to my coworker Caitlin. I'm like, you've ever been to Australia? I think I really want to go to Australia. And she, she was like, man, you, you need to like go travel or something. She's like, you can do this whenever you want in your life, but you're so young and you've got energy. Go and see the world. Yeah, but I need money to do that. Yeah, well, save up and then see how you go. But then May 1st, I don't even remember what year it was, maybe like 2017, I got pulled into the office and they were like, hey, we reviewed client contracts and we have to lay off your team. And I was like, just heartbroken. It was me and 10 people. So I knew that it wasn't my fault or anything. That's the way of the game in agency life. And I just saw that as my way out, literally the universe pushing me out and being like, this isn't for you right now. And then I remember going home that night and I was just like, I'm just gonna go to Australia. Why not? So I just booked a one way to Australia. And I think I had just had so much adrenaline and I was not thinking straight. <laughs> I just did it and I applied for a working holiday visa there. I don't even know why I was drawn to Australia. I just always was because I love the ocean and I always wanted to surf. And I don't know, something was just really calling me there. As weird as that sounds, like it just was. And that's happened a few times in my life where I've just been so attracted to something for no particular reason, but I've pursued it. And now I'm like, I know why, because it, it's part of your path and you just have to really be open to that calling. And if it keeps, if it's that little voice that keeps eating you up, you need to act on it. I've said that to all my friends. I'm like, if you keep thinking about it, you need to try it. Cause if you don't, it's a missed opportunity. Got on a plane, landed in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> My parents were like, okay, see you at Christmas. It's honestly kind of a blur. I just remember being jet lag and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But basically in the next few weeks, I ended up getting a nanny job. So I was able to live with their, the family and they live right on Bondi Beach. It was beautiful, beautiful family. To this day, we keep in touch. Like they just took me in and they were like, land here, figure out what you want to do. You have a house, you've got food, you've got whatever you need, we're here for you. So to have people like that, I truly believe they were part of that journey for me. They were there to like catch me kind of, they were like my safety net. I worked for them for a little bit, ended up teaching yoga in Bondi Beach. And I have a personal training certificate as well that I got back in Chicago when I worked with Andrea. So I did some personal training there and I just traveled through Australia, met my friends, met my people, and ended up putting my CV out online. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to go and work on a resort or something and teach yoga and Pilates. Like, I think I want to do something like that. So put my CV out there and I got a call from a resort in the Maldives. And they were like, yep, cool. We want to fly you out. We want you to come and work here. And I was like, wait, what? This is insane. Where are the Maldives? <laughs> and basically, yeah, lived in Australia for a year, flew to the Maldives and worked at like the most amazing, beautiful five-star resort, 
teaching yoga and Pilates and fitness classes to a very high scale clientele. Like I had never done that. Like I just like rocked up and I was like barefoot, like in my yoga gear, but worked out there for a while and then flew back to Australia after that, spent some more time there and thought, I think I might look at New Zealand and there's like a yoga trade international teachers website. And I saw one that said, looking for a yoga instructor to fly to New Zealand to help manage a studio here. And I had three friends send me it. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll see. I'll see. And then that same girl who I'd worked with at that first agency who was like, you need to go travel was like, hey, there's a place in New Zealand. You should go to New Zealand. I've been there. It's beautiful. What are the chances? I know. I know. So that's what I go back to. If you have those little signs and symbols from the universe, you need to act on them. Like, don't sit with your thumb up your ass. Like, <laughs> like, go, do it. It's an open door for you and fully take advantage of it. And so I just launched my resume. I got a call from the owner of the studio. Her name was Amy. And she was like, wait, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from the state. She's like, I am too. But I think we have a very similar story and I want you to know, like come see New Zealand. My partner is Kiwi, so you can come stay with us on our farm in Fakatane. And it was beautiful, but it was very like Fakatane is a very different vibe than where I am now. And it was, to be honest, I didn't know a person here. I was pretty lonely. And I once I started teaching, I got to meet a few people, but it was definitely like an elderly clientele. Just to give a bit of appreciation for our listeners, if you don't know Fakatani, it's quite a small New Zealand town, so it would be quite difficult for someone that's been living in Bondi to move to Fakatani. Yeah, it was just like a culture shock, and I was like, what? But luckily, they have beautiful Ahopi Beach there just around the corner, so I got into the surf scene, met a few people around my age there. But anyways, the studio ended up being sold because she had put it up for sale once I was there because she was wanting to leave and go work on the super yachts. So anyways, I just kind of followed my instinct. And I remember asking her, "Is where's Papamoa Beach? And she was like, oh, it's about an hour. And I was like, I think I might start working at Mahana. Do you know Freya, the girl that works there? And she's like, I do actually, I'll send her a message. And then Freya was like, hey, actually I am looking for an instructor. And I was like, perfect, because I'm actually moving out of Fakatani. And we just met and she's one of my best friends now. And I've been at Mahana ever since. And since I've been here in Papamoa, like it's all just pieced together so beautifully. And I feel like there hasn't been any time where I've just been fighting against the grain. It's just all been so rewarding. Like it's given back so much to me. Just to give a bit of appreciation to our listeners that aren't based in New Zealand, Papamoa is kind of like a nice little beach town, but it's attached to a larger city called Tauranga. So it's kind of got the the pros of a city and the pros of a small beach town as well. And Mahana Yoga Loft is actually where I go to do yoga, although I haven't been for the last couple yeah. of weeks. And <laughs> Jen is currently glaring at me. So <laughs> That's the cool thing, though. People are always on their like their paths. So it's like you jump in, you jump out, you kind of you get to meet so many amazing new people. So for our listeners, can you give a bit of appreciation as to what an average week looks like for you in terms of um, both work and play? Yeah. So let's see. I teach Tuesday through Saturday, and it's usually about two or three classes a day. And on top of that, I do some like private clients. I do some online clients, which is cool because you can do that from anywhere in the world. 
And what people don't see is, yeah, you teach maybe two or three classes a day and they're like, what else do you do? But there's so much planning and preparation that go behind that. And, you know, if you have your own practice and set like program for the week, figure out what I want to do in my Pilates classes and my bar classes and kind of re-inspire yourself and build up a class. So there are days where like, yeah, you can just rock up and wing it. But I'm kind of at the stage now where I'm continuing to learn as well. Like I take you know, online classes sometimes, or I'll hop on a program. I did one last lockdown that was a pranayama breathwork meditation course. And you're just constantly a student so that you can kind of deliver the best classes to your students as well. So I, I don't like to say like I'm a yoga teacher. I'm like, man, I'm a yoga student and I'm still yeah. learning and I just want to hopefully inspire other people to connect back because yoga and Pilates has given so much to me and it's got me all around the world. It's got me exactly where I want to be. And the person I am and how I feel. And if I can just inspire one person, then sweet, my job's done. I did, you know, do a desk job and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was really disconnected to myself for a long time. And I look back at photos of who I was, even in the States, I've been away for about four years now, but I see photos and I'm like, whoa, I was so unhappy in that photo. I remember that. And even when I went back about two Christmases ago to see my friends, they're like, you just look so different. It's not just physical, but I think I just radiate a different aura or energy just because I've really done the inner work. And that's trips to India or Bali, learning and wanting to find tools and ways to like connect back with myself and share that with other people. One of the regrets of this interview is I never asked Jenna what inner work she's done to become the best version of her current self. In season two, we'll be talking about identifying where you are currently. A big part of Escape the 9 to 5 is understanding who you are as a person and what drives you. A common feeling I get when talking to people on the podcast is how are you trapped in a 9 to 5 job? Jenna radiates this positive, relaxed energy and is genuinely a natural at yoga and fitness instructing. While I can see how someone with her personality got hired by a corporate workplace, it saddens me to think how many young, happy, bubbly teenagers get sucked into the trap of a college degree, student debt, and a well-paying nine-to-five job. Eastern practices like yoga and meditation are becoming common in the Western world, especially now that there's research to show meditation is so good for you, it remodels your brain. While you may be thinking, what the hell does this have to do with escaping the nine-to-five job? Doing the inner work, including relaxing your mind, will help you make better decisions. That's why the very first challenge I gave you in episode one included starting meditation. It was never intended to be a one-time thing. Meditation will be beneficial in your life going forward. Dan Harris, after having a panic attack on live TV presenting for ABC News, took up meditation and argues practicing just 10 minutes a day will make you 10% happier. Would you give up 10 minutes of every day for the rest of your life if you were guaranteed to be 10% happier? I would. We could talk about this lifestyle stuff for ages, but I guess the purpose of the podcast is to convince people to potentially do something different. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to become a yoga instructor. <laughs> but I know that there'll be cynics listening and saying, oh, this all sounds lovely, but surely a job like yours, you won't make ends meet, there's no structure to your day. The question for me is, what are the pros and cons of your lifestyle? Mm, I would say, let's start with cons. I think 
for people that wake up in the morning and they're like, oh, I don't know exactly what I'm doing today. I do try and sit down and I'm like, what do I need to get accomplished today? Who are the clients I'm seeing? What classes am I teaching today? But then in the afternoons, I'm like, sweet, there's surf. I get the luxury of going to do that. Totally being connected and being happy. And you don't get those. No, but you don't get, you know, life is a series of moments and memories and a series of breaths. How do you want to spend those? At the end of the day, like what truly matters? Yeah, I don't make six figures, but that's not the lifestyle I'm after right now in my life. And I think I'm 27 and I fully know, like I'm still young and I've got a lot of life ahead of me. And I want to look back and be like, I lived out my 20s. I did exactly what I wanted to do, not attached to a figure, a number, because when you are in that flow, when you are in your purpose, you're walking your truth, you're in your light. And this sounds so woo-woo, but like you will get everything you need. It's going to all work out for you in some ways or another. It's like, shit, maybe I didn't make enough money to buy this trip this weekend to go to Wellington or whatever. And then I swear to God, I'll have like an email being like, hey, wondering if I could sign up for a few private lessons with me. And I'm like, oh my God, crazy. Like it all just kind of evens out, ebbs and flows. There's some weeks, yeah, you won't make as much as you did if you had a corporate job, but that doesn't even compare to me because my happiness, my sanity is worth so much more than that. And I'm a better person. I can show up in my friendships, my relationships better and more present and more clear. And I can be more enjoyable to be around than Maybe it's not for everyone and you will get the critics and like, hi, mom and dad. They were the ones that were like, how are you going to make? So I've totally gone through this, but I'm like, you need to trust me because it's taken me this far. I haven't been in jail. I haven't been in trouble yet. I've completely transformed myself and I'm happy with who I am. So I guess going back on cons would be, yeah, the security, the lifestyle. I know I can't teach yoga forever when I'm 75. This is an integral piece into where I'm at next. Maybe that's someday owning a yoga studio. Maybe that's going off and doing my own retreats. I'm hoping to go into doing my integrative nutrition course soon. Going into that, combining that and making like a whole empire from it. But I know fundamentals are the building blocks of fun. You need to put in the work, do the time now. Just to go back to your comment about the not being able to afford the flight to Wellington. On those weeks where something didn't come through and you genuinely couldn't afford the flight to Wellington, I would still pick being able to do a job you enjoy and then going for an afternoon surf and not getting the flight to Wellington over sitting in a cubicle for 40 hours a week and then getting your trip to Wellington as a reward. Exactly. You know, it's it's not all about the money. Exactly. I don't think I would ever be able to just afford a week stay in the Maldives at this beautiful resort that was like 2500 a night, but I got to live there for a year. It's all going to even out. I fully believe that. This week's quote is from Brian Sutton Smith. The opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. Isn't it funny how we save up thousands and thousands to go to a remote island to turn off our phones and that's what's what we call the holiday. Why do we spend that money to get there when we could just be so focused on the now and we work all those hours of stress and to get secluded in the middle of nowhere. We work to enjoy a holiday that's Basically, it's so simplistic. Man, just turn your phone off and go for a walk on the beach or, you know what I mean? You've sort of touched on the cons of your job, which doesn't seem to be many. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. If you don't like early mornings, this is not a job for you. I start at 6 a.m. So I'm to the studio by 5.30. So I'm usually up at like 5 a.m., 4.45. But I'm such a morning person. I love it. 
and you work weekends saturdays but i love that because i'm like i'd be at yoga anyway if i wasn't here it's only in the morning though isn't yeah, it yeah it's only in the mornings but yeah like i'm so in love with yoga and my job that i'd rather be there it's no big deal there's so many pros i think i've talked to them i mean it's hard to believe <laughs> that um you get paid for it because yeah. i i did think to myself once in a yoga class apart from the fact that you'll be extremely flexible because you're doing the lessons you know what is it six days a week three classes six, or more yeah. so you're super flexible but then it's got to make you super relaxed as well just being in that sort of relaxed yoga mindset as opposed to a stressful workplace it isn't it isn't it's funny because by the end of the week i feel so energetically drained because you're giving so much energy and I'm like wow you have the most calming job but i'm an empath so i really feel people's energies I just sometimes I want to cry when I see these people walking in to my evening classes and you can tell there's just nothing left in their face. And I'm like, fuck, I was sitting in that same seat as you. And let me tell you, for me, I know it's so cliche when people say like, do you want to look back when you're in your deathbed and be like, cool, I made a hundred grand that year, whatever. Or do you want to be like, I took this epic surf trip to Uluwatu and got just <laughs> shredded on the reef. <laughs> and then I got to go to the Maldives and yeah, maybe you had to work along the way and do hospital jobs which i always did once in a while because it's so worth it it's just like it catalysts you into the next thing and people are so tied up in like our titles and our jobs and we can't step back the majority of people that would come to your classes would be people in sort of routine nine to five jobs yeah. and you know you comment about people being depressed or looking just shattered at the end of the day it's kind of sad really that we even need to not so much yoga in the sense of I can see the benefits of yoga, but I think in an ideal world, you wouldn't need to go to a class to relax yourself. Yeah. Because you'd be living a happy enough life that you wouldn't need to do anything extra. Exactly. I mean, I'm not trying to scare away business or no, anything. But... No, no, no. But I'm like, man, at least they're coming here and they're not just going to the bar to like drink away their problems. Because I did, I had a lady come in, she's like, man, this class is what I don't go home and drink. Honestly, I've been sober now for it. I'm like, whoa, you just don't realize what's going on outside of people's lives. Imagining you've got someone that's coming to your class that's doing a nine to five job and they're pretty miserable. What would be three pieces of advice you could give to our listeners looking to make a change out of a routine job? I would say find what you're passionate about and integrate that into your week and try and surround yourself with people who are uplifting that promote you to do that inspire you to do that. Like look around you of the people who aren't, like I said, uplifting you or inspiring you to do that, then change your crowd. I really in my life had to step away from some of those party girls that I was with because do they have my best interest in mind? And I'd be like, hey, I think I want to like teach yoga someday. They're like, yeah, okay. You know, you want to be around people that are like, that's great. So start surrounding yourself with people and just a community that supports that. Because I think once you have that, it kind of lights a fire in you and you're like, oh man, I can do this. For me, I think another practice that's really helped is taking things out of your routines that are draining you. Look around and be like, write a list. What's energetically draining to me right now? In my job, like why is it that I'm so unhappy? Is it because I spend lunchtime with this person or just things in your job that you're not... For me, I'd go to lunch with the same girl every day and I'm like, man, she is just so draining. She doesn't ever have anything positive to say. And then I stopped going to lunch with her and I'm like, man, that was such a good lunch break. Do you know what I mean? So just little tweaks that you can do. Before you get to your next point, just to elaborate on that, we've had someone say something sort of similar. For me personally, I found writing down 
how I was feeling in the day and what specific moments made me feel good or bad or specific emotions does really help. And I think our listeners do need to get more self-aware and rather than say, oh, I just hate my job, actually break down their week into portions and think, do I really hate my job or do I hate that Monday morning meeting or do I hate that colleague who I have to work with for majority of the week? Being more self-aware and actually you know, removing those bad things from your day. You've actually got to be self-aware to be able to remove those things in the first place. Yes, like the blockages, the barriers. And I would say like try a side hustle. Like I was teaching yoga classes on the side of my full-time career and then it slowly began to integrate. Sometimes it's not viable to quit cold turkey and then just fully jump into it. If you're really passionate, you're going to work on it Saturday night, Sunday morning. And then if you're not passionate about it, then it's not for you. Like you should want to do it. Like I'm happy to step in for this instructor who can't because I genuinely like love the class. I love being there. I love the people. So, you know, integrate that side hustle, if you want to call it, just start it slowly. Start it however you want to do. Like people are like, how did you just jump? Like I said, I worked two jobs at first. I had to put in the time, save some money, and it's not just going to happen like that, but where there's a will, there's a way. If you're really passionate about it, it's going to work itself out. Sometimes you just have to put in that extra little bit of work and that extra bit of time, and but that's good things take time. You said earlier, you mentioned about sort of jump and the safety net will appear. I think there's sort of a 50-50 school of thought. Some people will say jump and the safety net will, will appear, and the other people will say build a bridge or something along those lines. Yeah. You mentioned that you jumped in terms of quitting your life in the States and moving to Australia, but in reality, you did do it incrementally and you built a bridge because you already had been doing the side hustle. And so for people wanting to jump, I think you've got to have something to fall back on. Yeah. The safety net is the thing that you've been passionate about that you've been doing on the side. You don't necessarily have to be doing that as a full-time thing, but I think you've got to have something there to fall back on. You can't quit if all you've ever done has been an accountant and you've never done anything else in your life. It's not going to work jumping. Mm. Well, I, I disagree a little because like getting on that plane to Australia, I had no experience. I didn't know anyone, you know, contacts in Australia or anything. So that was my jump. But then I slowly got there, started building a bridge as I met connections. So, I mean, it, it's different for every situation. Like for me, I looked around my physical environment and wasn't happy where I was. So I jumped. I got on a plane and left. And it doesn't need to be as extreme as that. But, you know, maybe it can be as simple as cutting ties with a friend or like your work colleague. And then slowly from there, building bridges with new people, a new network, and then it grows from there. So it's kind of a give and a take in a sense. And I think there is extreme cases where it might be a jump, but like maybe finding a new tribe, finding the people that do uplift you and that can help you get there. And Really, really being clear with what it is you want and why you want that. And do you want that for yourself or do you want that for someone else? Do you like the pretty image of it because how it's going to look on Instagram? Or do you like it because this is what you've loved since you were 16 years old and it's always been in the back of your mind and there's a way to do it, but you're just worried about how everyone else is going to look at you and say to you, you know, we get the ego. We get people that are like, you can't do that. And they laugh at you, but you just sometimes have to be like, Nope, I'm going to try it because sometimes the risk is rewarding. I mean, one of our previous guests did say you've got to be doing it for your reasons. Totally. Make sure those reasons are yours, not someone else's. The one last thing that I did want to say is 
especially for people still in their 20s. I think don't get caught up in getting yourself financially stable. If you're in a high paying job and you're miserable, sure you're going to be better off financially when you're 30 if you continue doing what you're doing. But look how much happier you are in your current position. Whereas if you'd stuck to the PR stuff, I have no doubt with your sort of personality type that you could be some marketing manager or some sort of position where you're on 150 or 200k doing really well financially but probably miserable and at the end of the day what's the point in all that money if you're going to be miserable totally i yeah 100 percent. i have so many of my girlfriends back in the states that like were like i want to come visit this is before the pandemic they're like i'm going to come visit i want to come visit i just want to save up and yeah i saw them all getting promotions on facebook and sometimes i would be like oh am i like missing out on that but then i'd snap back and i'm like And look where I am. Look how many beautiful gifts have come into my life because I didn't focus on the numbers right in front of me. I fully believe that when you're passionate about something that the money will follow in one way or another. But I just think there's times where it's like people just get so attached to that security and especially in the States, it's pretty bad for that. People live off promotions and it's working the next step up. If we think of it, we've just created this ladder, this corporate getting to the top. That's just man-made. We can create our own tier. If that for you is like, yeah, someday opening my own yoga studio. That's my like CEO top line. That's absolutely yeah. It looks different for everyone and people need to remember that. It's not about sitting in a suit and tie in like a nice big cubicle office somewhere. The ladder never ends. The ladder never so ends. So you, you become the, the marketing manager, then you become the commercial manager, then you become the general manager, and then you become the regional manager of a certain part of the world, yeah. and then you become strategic manager, and then you become general manager of corporate, and then finally, if you're psychopathic enough, you become CEO of the company. And then what? Are you happy? Are you happy on top? Like, what next? But I think these people that work these soul-sucking jobs, and they come home, and it's just the grind all over again, and... I get goosebumps just thinking about it because I'm like, ah. (laughs) That was Jenna Mueller, PR agency marketer turned yoga and fitness instructor. You can find out more about Jenna on Instagram at Jenna Mueller Fitness or her website, jennamuellerfitness.com. Three tips from Jenna. One, surround yourself with people that support you, whatever it is you want to do. Look at your relationships and focus on those people who lift you up not those who shoot you down. Two, be clear about what it is you want and why you want that. Without an understanding of what you want, you're not going to get there. This relates nicely to last week's challenge about writing down a personal vision. It helps you to have something on your wall to refer to and keep you on track. Three, if you truly hate your job, jump and the safety net will appear. This advice isn't for everyone got to be comfortable taking risks and or have some financial safety net so that if things don't go to plan you've still got food water and a bed to sleep in the challenge for this week is called the little voice challenge accepted almost everybody has a little voice in their head telling them what they actually should be doing if there's a little voice that keeps eating you up you need to act on it if you don't it's a missed opportunity Even if you're only adding that thing into your life a day a week, it's a step in the right direction. So this week, listen to the inner voice. Challenge accepted. If you need help on your own career journey, 
be sure to join our Facebook group, Escape the 9 to 5 Podcast. There you'll meet a group of successful professionals on their own journey out of the 9 to 5. This week, we're talking about creating a safety net, so when you eventually jump, you'll have a soft landing. I'm Steve O'Ealy, your host, and thanks as always for listening to Escape the 9 to 5. Escape the 9 to 5 is a Deals Media production. If you felt like this episode brought you any value at all and helped you on your journey to escaping the 9 to 5, please do give us a rating if you're on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe on whatever app you're listening on. This show is produced and created by me, Steve O'Ealy. Editing is thanks to Jeremy Grater. And show music is thanks to Mikey Geiger. For more information and support, please visit our Facebook page, Escape the 9 to 5 Podcast. Links to this are in the show notes. See you next time on Escape the 9 to 5.